it's me, Melanie, with two L's, your favorite host. And if I'm not your favorite host, you should uh, probably go listen to another show. No, I'm kidding. Um, welcome to this blonde can talk about anything episode 41. I think it's 41 because I said 39 twice and that doesn't make any sense. So this is 41. Um, I'm so glad that you're able to join me. I'm so glad that I'm able to be here because I'm bringing you a fantastic guest as I announced last week, Sam Salem is here. But before we get to that, I just got to run through a couple things. The Rams won the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> I bet on the Bengals on the simple fact that I was pissed off that LA took out Tom Brady, which means they took away like three more weeks of me and Tom Brady getting to hang out every Sunday. But other than that, um, I'm not really surprised with the outcome. I know some, some of you are going to ask me, so I'm just getting it out of the way. Um, I predicted that Cooper Cup would be the Super Bowl MVP like before the game even started just because I knew, but I don't think I need to go into like a whole bunch of jargon because this interview with Sam Salem was so much, it's not an interview, it's a discussion. I don't know how to explain that this show doesn't interview, it just discusses, we discuss. So we're talking about his students um, and his comedy and all these fun things. And it just doesn't need a big, long introduction from me. So I'm going to let Sam introduce himself and you guys just get lost in the, in, in the conversation and I hope you enjoy it. And I'm glad you're here. I don't even know how to start this. I mean, you're like went viral on TikTok and your teacher, which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, introduce yourself. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm Sam Salem. I, I make TikToks and I am now a a substitute teacher. I was full-time teaching, but started substitute teaching to leave time to pursue the dream of stand-up comedy. So um, yeah, I kind of, I would post my stand-up clips to TikTok and nobody would care. So then I was like, all right, cool. So I just started telling stories of stuff that happened in my classroom. And then all of a sudden it was millions of views later and a couple hundred thousand followers later. And here we are, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw the first TikTok that I saw of yours was the feminism one. And I was just like, what? Like, that was just so weird. But yeah, it's funny. The um, Gen Z and I mean, I guess Gen Alpha now too younger than them. They're, they're like, I mean, to use the, the, the term woke, they're like very, very like much more woke than any other generation. But at the same time, they're still like ignorant little middle schoolers. So sometimes like the, yeah the the phrases that they use but yeah like when a kid asked me if I was a feminist another kid chimed in and was like well his wife makes more money so he has to be and I'm like that's not that's not how feminism necessarily works but that's also very funny that you one called me broke and two that was your idea of <laughs> feminism so uh, how would they even know that like I was I had a teacher who actually remind me a lot of him and he was like my favorite teacher is an English teacher. And I used to purposely at the beginning of the year, I'd like, oh no, my schedule doesn't work. Cause I always wanted to be in his class. Cause he was so funny. I never knew anything about his wife. So how do they know like your what, what your wife does? Did you tell them? Uh, um, I think, I think just more like social media, like, because I think a lot of teachers have probably their profiles on private, but Mine are not just because for the sake of comedy and trying to make mm -hmm. it, you know, you got to get your name out there. So I, uh, I'm sure they just like looked me up on social media and <laughs> saw that my wife's a real estate agent and, you know, they love kids. They're very curious, right? They want to know. I don't know, I, especially maybe I was just different as a kid, but growing up, I was just like, all right, my teacher is 
my teacher and they live at the school and this is their life. Like, right. If I saw a teacher outside of school, I'd be like, this is so bizarre. But I think, I don't know, kids these days are just very curious what they're like, okay, I see you here in school, but what is, you have a life outside of this and what does it look like? So I think they are just creeping on my social media, I suppose. I never seen one of my teachers outside of school ever. Really? That's, yeah. I had a, uh, I remember sophomore year, Mr. Mr. Becker, he called everybody Mr. and Miss, like all the students by their last name. And he always wore like very formal, had a tie. And I saw him in the men's section, like clothing section of Target wearing like a t-shirt and jeans. And it was like, it was like in the Wizard of Oz when they find out it's not <laughs> like, something. I was like, wait, what? Like you see behind the curtain and you're like, wait, you're just a normal he was like a larger than life figure. I'm like, you can't wear jeans, like boot cut jeans at that. I mean, <laughs> I had a teacher who, the one that I said, who reminded me of you, he would wear like dress pants and like a Jersey, like a sports Jersey or like a Nike t-shirt with a blazer on top. And That's he was hilarious. an English teacher. And all the kids were like, he smokes pot behind the school. And I was like, no, he's just like, he's a repressed creative who's teaching an English class. <laughs> And because he knew that, like, I would pay attention. I hated school, but I would pay attention because I liked him. And then one day he got so pissed off because nobody was listening and he kicked me out of the class. And then after like five minutes later, he like brings me back in and he's like, stands up in the front of the class. And he's like, now, because of all of you, now I have to apologize for putting her in the hallway because I can't put all of you in the hallway. So now I'm sorry. And it like, he was just so funny. So (laughs) I think it's so cool that you're actually pursuing something like you're teaching but you're pursuing something personally I think that's greater and even more influential than teaching because you're reaching so many people and I think as a teacher can help so many kids but an artist can help like kids adults it's and but you're a teacher but you look like you're like 25 (laughs) that's I people always think my wife and I are younger I mean I'm I'm 29 uh so not like not a baby but yeah there's a lot of kids who assume that I'm just outside of like they're like did you just graduate uh college like my wife and I which we did get married pretty young I was 25 and she was 24 but like on our honeymoon they asked if we were old enough to sit in the emergency exit row which you only have to be 15 for that we're like yeah we we are but thankfully they felt bad so they brought us a bunch of free wine um but (laughs) (laughs) it made it worth it but yeah I think looking young has its disadvantages as a teacher because sometimes kids teach, treat you as a friend but it has the advantages they they view you as someone who actually like can connect with you and they'll like actually open up a little bit and talk to you and you know share about their day or whatever actually try to connect a little bit so that's that's helpful I suppose but but it has a huge advantage in terms of industry like I still they still think I'm a teenager so I mean that's great yeah no <laughs> so I mean you have that I'll take it. I used to, I used to not like that people thought I was younger than I was. And now I'm like, I'll take it as long as I can get, hopefully the hairline doesn't get too much worse and they'll keep thinking that. So I'm I'm, I'm going to take it as long as people keep thinking I'm younger. So what do you teach primarily? So when I was full-time teaching, I taught uh, seniors, government and econ. Um, so it was, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I was that teacher who was better with classroom management and connecting with the kids than having a, a deep knowledge of my content area. I mean, I knew enough to teach the lessons, uh, but yeah, now I work for an agency that just 
there's such a teacher shortage right now. So they just send me in the LA area wherever there's a need. So yeah, sometimes I'm teaching, you know, senior social studies like I used to, and other times it's seventh grade math. So it's just kind of, it's, uh, I tell them to send me, I'm like, please stop sending me to middle schools. But, um, but yeah, now with subbing, it's kind of wherever they, wherever there's a need. Um, so anyone listening who has time on their hand, become a sub because, you know, need it, need it out there. There's a major teacher shortage. So what I'm hearing just, you know, is that you're a teacher who's admitting that without your textbook, you don't know everything. Uh, without your answer key. What was that? Without the answer key, you don't know everything. Totally. And I, I mean, I know, especially when I was teaching, especially after a couple of years, I'm like, I know the content I'm supposed to teach, but I feel like, I mean, every teacher needs their textbook a little bit. I don't, I don't like the teachers that are like, I am the end all of knowledge. I know everything. So, um, but I would say, yeah, I probably should know a little bit more than I do. <laughs> what do you do, especially since you're a comedian, what do you do when a kid puts their hand up and asks you a completely valid question and you don't know the answer? Oh, my, my go-to trick, if I don't know the answer, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked that. That's a great question. We're actually that sets us up for tomorrow's lesson purpose, like perfectly. We're gonna, we're gonna be learning about that tomorrow. And then after class, I just look up the answer and then I make it part of the next day's lesson, so. But what if you really, really don't know the answer? For example, when I was in high school, I, I don't remember, I think I was, t- it was must, must've been a history class. And I put my hand up and we were learning, you know, about Troy and I'm like, we were watching the movie. And then I'm like, is that real? And the teacher's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, is it still there? Like the horse? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, has anybody ever seen it? And like, is there any proof that it was there? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, then how do you know it's real? And instead of, he had no answer. He said, go to the office. So I'm in the office. The principal's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I asked a question. Uh, and he's like, you asked a question and you got sent to the office. I have to call upstairs. And I was like, go ahead. And then he comes back and he says, go back to class. Just don't ask any more questions. Like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to I... learn. So yeah, there are times where, I'd say most, yeah, most of the questions I know, but I think if that happens, I'm going to be like, well, honestly, I'm just honest with the kids. And I'm like, let's, let's take this time to research it right now, because I'm not quite sure, which I think is healthy. Like, I think it's silly when adults are like, kids need to see me as this, like, again, like perfect, all knowing, whatever. I think it's like a healthy thing for to tell kids like, hey, you don't always have to know the answer. Now, as a teacher, yeah, it'd be bad if every day they're asking me questions. I'm like, I don't know, let's look that up. But every once in a while, if it's to, I think it's worse to lie about it and one, either make up a question or two, get angry because then that, I mean, you seem like a pretty confident person, but what if that would have been like a pretty shy kid who doesn't ask a lot of questions and all of a sudden they're embarrassed. Like that, that could be traumatizing to a kid. Like I, all I, I just wanted to know something. I got sent to the office and all of a sudden they stop asking questions in class. So I think, I think there's nothing wrong with every once in a while being like, that's, that's a pretty specific question. I don't know that. So let's, let's take this time to learn it together. I think for me, the reason that I was, you know, so curious and asking so many questions is because 
I was like a three-year-old method actor who went to school thinking she was really from Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. Like I really <laughs> believed it. They, to, they called my mom. They're like, your daughter's not here. And, my, and then she, they, she was like, oh, you have to call her this or she's not going to answer. And I, so I spent a lot of time with my grandpa. He had like a grade two education, but this man was reading encyclopedias front to back, like constantly. So I knew a lot of, I still know a lot of really just pointless shit. Right. So I had, I had questions and, and they didn't like that. I had questions and I still, I kept in touch with some of my teachers. And when they realized that I went into acting, they were like, you know, that's a really bad field. That's a terrible thing. Like it's all about money. And I'm like, you don't even realize how much I could learn or you could learn or anybody could learn from a comedian, from like anybody who's just like acting. And I've seen some of your standup and you're mostly talking about your experiences in the classroom or when you're coaching basketball. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to learn there. So that's why I just think you're so it's cool that you're, you're you kind of you're able to teach and then marry it with like that, the art world. And I, I feel like you're going to reach a lot of kids. But at the same time, how long do you want to keep teaching before you can be like maybe like an Adam Sandler type guy? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Adam Sandler, that's that would be I mean, I wouldn't say no to that. Uh, however, improbable, improbable that is. Yeah. I mean, I am. I, I mean, the goal would be to be full-time comedian, getting paid to either write or tell jokes or something like that. That is the goal. I don't think the thing that was drew me to teaching is, is more like the mentorship, uh, like the mentorship aspect to it. So I feel like I grew up, you know, whether in like youth group or playing sports or teachers, and I just had really solid adults that you know, adults can be negative about kids and they're like, what's wrong with these kids in there? And I just had a bunch of, I feel like adults in my life that were more mentors. So I, uh, yes, at a certain point, I would like to stop teaching if, if I'm able to full-time like be in stand-up entertainment writing, but I will always want to be in some sort of mentorship role. And if that's not teaching that, you know, maybe coaching basketball on the side or getting involved in a youth group or a youth center or like outreach programs, just because that's always been like building community has always been a passion of mine. And kind of like you said, like, like it's a unique way to do that as like a comedian or entertainer, right? Like being on stage, you're, you're trying to get a whole room of people that have never been together before, like buying into one concept, one joke. So yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I'm, I would miss the kids, but I'm fine. I'm fine to stop teaching whenever, if anyone wants to, you know, take me on tour with them, anybody out there, hire me for a sitcom. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go now. But um, I think, I think the um, right now, what's nice about the subbing agency, it is that flexibility where I can kind of just, if I do get more busy with stuff, I can kind of just say like, Hey, I'm only available two times a week or three times a week and have that flexibility to, to step out for like longer periods of time if I need to. Like a couple of weeks ago, I had some shows in Portland. So I just, you know, block off my schedule, go to Portland and I'm able to, that's the beauty of subbing, go right back into being with the kids. So, but yeah, full-time full comedy entertainment. That's that's the dream. That's the goal. I feel almost like somebody should write you your own show, like a Glee, but instead of the Glee Club, it's like a comedy stand-up class or something. And like, you could play like a Finn Hudson sort of character. I don't know if you watched Glee. I, oh. I have watched Glee. I actually, I, I used to, one of the, one of the, I played basketball in college and one of the best games I've ever had was it was at a, a tournament. So the game before us was running a little long. So we had extra time and all my teammates 
were out like just watching the game waiting and I was just in the locker room with my headphones in streaming glee on my phone just zoning out just like in this total like glee is on I'm just not paying attention and I had like almost a triple double it was like one of the the best games of my life so I'm not even that big a glee fan I don't know why I was watching it at the time but I am familiar that's my long way of saying yes I am familiar with glee (laughs) everyone's familiar with it but um I mean I watched it through the end because my friend was uh well he died but he was one of the leads on the show and so he was in the glee club and then towards the end that he was supposed to become a teacher but he died in the oh process Corey, of Corey Monta yeah Monta. Corey Monteith yeah Monteith he passed died. away that's yeah, okay that's I mean, I, I, well that's all right you know it's it's part of life but it sounds like you you could be like that sort of a character like that but like more funny and I I, I kind of want to I know the guy who casted Glee and I kind of want to be like, Hey, uh, you know, I know this guy. (laughs) I mean, Um, I won't, I won't say no to that. (laughs) So tell me that's the tough part about what's, what I've realized with my tick with my TikToks is what's teaching and the classroom experience is so relatable because students who are in like college or high school think it's funny because they're like, yeah, I make fun of my teachers all the time. Other teachers think it's funny, but everybody's been in some sort of school setting or some sort of learning environment. And like, yeah, there's absurd situations all the time, like, you know, and so I think, I think there's so much potential for like a sitcom that is teaching just because you get a bunch of crazy kids in one room. There's always funny things that happen. I think the tough part about it, and I haven't seen, I guess AP bio is pretty popular. Um, but I have I've, the, the problem with the show is like, if you're a teacher, you you see like anywhere from 100 to 200 students every day. So having like to actually be in the classroom and have like that many, it, it would just, I feel like almost be too big of an ensemble to have that many students running through. Or if it's like, I don't know, only one class over and over again. I mean, but I guess maybe there's a teacher's lounge sitcoms because the, the teacher's lounge is, you know, sometimes funnier than the actual classroom is bringing all the stories together. It almost feels like the green room of a comedy show where you're waiting to go on stage. You just all bring your stories together. <laughs> you had a situation yet where like you have a weird student who's not even in your class who just randomly shows up in there all the time because she thinks you're cute. Excited that. Um, I haven't had that. <laughs> no, but there are, there's one school that I was working at that's just very chaotic where the, <laughs> the students, they weren't the most respectful all the time. They were all really good kids at heart, but what they realized is, yeah, the teacher's the authority figure, but if I get up and start to walk out of class and they say, hey, you have to stay in here, what's that, like, if all of us or five of us at the same time just get up and leave, the teacher can't, like, physically hold back <laughs> five and teachers shouldn't be even like physically restraining students anyway so there's this one school where I just there would be kids who are like hey this class is always fun and they'd show up I'm like hey you can't be in here and they'd just kind of be like all right then carry me out I'm like well yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that so I think that's it's one of those things I mean hopefully not too many students are listening to this but like yeah, like what is what is a teacher gonna do if you just start showing up to a class or get up and leave? I mean, eventually, yeah, you might get in trouble if your parents are like a bad grade, but in terms of I can't like physically stop students from doing anything. So well, I wasn't going to his class. It's like my friend had a class with this teacher and he was young. And so I would go with her into her class like before I go into my class. And I would do it all the time. And eventually one day he was like, Why are you always in here? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> 
no reason. And then <laughs> I went back, I went back to visit like maybe four or five years ago. And I, I didn't, I didn't look like this at the time. I looked like I had very dark hair and I dressed like I was 50 years old. And he was like, I remember you. And I was like, no, no, you don't like, please, <laughs> please don't. And it's like, yeah, you don't want them to remember, but you have so many funny stories. Like that story that you were telling about the, the CD burning. I listened to that. And then after I was wondering, did you talk to them? Did you explain to them what a disc man is? Yeah, that was totally a conversation. <laughs> it was so funny. And some of them are like, oh, yeah, my parents still has one of those. And it's just so, I feel like that's the weird thing about aging is you just assume it's going to happen to everybody else, but not your, not yourself. And then all of a sudden you look around and you're just like, oh, the things that I thought were cool as a kid or the things that were normal to me are just foreign. So, yeah, like, it was so funny talking about burning CDs and the kids were like, what is that? Or why would you light a CD on fire? And then... Like, and they, they, of course, I guess like most of them knew it's, there actually were a couple who didn't know what CDs were, but like they knew what, oh my CDs, God. <laughs> which is crazy. They knew, obviously knew what CDs were, but they just never, I guess, never took the time to think about like, they just assumed like, yeah, you're okay. Well, you might not have had music on your phone, but you had an iPod to listen to. And it's like, no, like iPods were just becoming a thing when I was like in high school, middle school. So yeah, it was funny having to, exp I felt like the same way as some old guys like, and this is a phonograph. I was like, okay, so you had what, like the Walkman. But what's also funny is I was, yeah, in this video where I'm like, I feel so old, like these kids are- You say that in every video. Spend time, if you, I never felt like I was aging that much, but like all, just spend time with 15 year olds and they will make you feel like, a dinosaur like it's absurd but I was like yeah I feel so old because these kids are talking about sharing playlists and I'm just like oh we would like burn each other's cds them not knowing what it is but then so many people commented on that like you think you're old like I would sit with a cassette recorder next to the radio <laughs> and wait for my favorite song to come on which I did have friends who did that too like or like you know second grade or something like that and they're like so you saying you feel old is making me feel even older because we would just hope that the, the the radio DJ didn't talk over my favorite part of the song as I'm like recording it like next to the radio. So I taped over a Britney Spears tape. <laughs> just like put a piece of tape on it, just record it over it. Off over radio. music? How dare you treat Britney like that? <laughs> I'm not a, I mean, I mean, you just have to look at the hair. I mean, if, if, if we are back, if we're going backwards and it's a, a Britney or a Christina, <laughs> I, I didn't, yeah. You're more Christina? I'm more, I think the thing with me is because I'm an, an, an entertainer and I've always been. And at first, at first, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to go to school for journalism because that's safe. But yeah. I think Christina just has more of that like raw talent when she opens her mouth. You're like, what? Where is that coming from? The sound? Yeah, she's one of the best, like, just pure vocals. She's right. one of the best of all time. Like, I feel like that's pretty hard to argue. And then Britney's more of this, like, you know, she can dance and stuff, but the singing is, like, non-existent. So I was just more into Christina, and she influenced me so much that I try to turn myself into her, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but you, she's still... I, I know you act, but do you sing? Like, are, do you, like, Broadway-type musicals? Um, or is it more just acting? I did sing. I used to, I started out as a singer and I used to sing Christina all the time. And then my dad was like, this is really dumb. And my grandpa had just died. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stop this because I want my dad to, to love me and to appreciate like what I'm doing. And it didn't work. <laughs> so he was like, you're going to college. And I was like, no, I'm going to be an actor. 
and he doesn't accept it. And that's fine. That's his problem. But I do, interestingly enough, I do want to like learn because you can get it back. The singing, yeah. you can get it back. Yeah. And I'd like to do, you know, like, I don't know if you've seen Tick, Tick, Boom. I'd love to be able to do films like that. Right. Like with some, like Andrew Garfield is not a singer, but you wouldn't know that when you're watching the film, you're just like, wait a minute, you know, it's, it's. Yeah. He's, I mean, he has a good voice though. Yeah. The whole, like the rent. Um... That's the film. Andrew... What? He did. He did Tick, Tick, Boom, which is the the guy who wrote Rent. Okay. So I, I, I was like, I know I've heard the name of that film, but yeah. So I've seen parts of that. Yeah. Like he's not like a singer, but he can still sing. <laughs> I mean, or... he go ahead oh no no go ahead he pitched a, i think this would be a hilarious idea i hope they do it he's like i want to sing miami to open the oscars with will smith and will smith's like yeah i want to do that and i feel like that would be so funny that would be super fun uh sorry real quick that actually reminded me speaking of will smith someone like feeling old again if someone like hey what's will smith from um, yeah fresh prince of bel-air somebody some other teacher commented on like one of my TikToks saying like when I was feeling old, they were like, yeah, I overheard my students or maybe it was a parent like overheard their son saying, you don't know Will Smith, you know, the genie from Aladdin. And I'm like, no, you kids know him, Will Smith from the live action Aladdin that just came out. Like that was crazy to me. <laughs> See, I don't think I could do that. The teaching thing, because because I'm an actor, my favorite actor, maybe you probably don't even watch his films. I love Marlon Brando. And yeah. people are like, I've never seen a Marlon Brando movie. And I'm like, you've never seen The Godfather? No. Nope. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you watching? Like when you're talking about the kids are watching classic movies like The Parent Trap. I'm like, what do you mean? But the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap, not even the original Parent I know. Trap. <laughs> you should, if you ever sub like in a drama class, you should bring in like a super old VHS and just confuse them. They would be, yeah, the whole concept of <laughs> rewinding. Just like, wait, what is... Like the sound of a VCR tape rewinding. I had a VCR once, like, and it was a, oh my God, the school sent, you know, when you're sick, they send you your homework. Yeah. They sent me the thing and I put it in the machine and the thing, all the tapes came, that all came out. And I was like, sorry. And they were like, we needed that. And I was like, well, you shouldn't have <laughs> sent it home with me or like put it on DVD maybe. That's I don't know. Hilarious. But, but I want to hear like these, some of these stories that like you've told, like, for example, I don't know how you didn't know that that was Simple Plan singing the Scooby-Doo song. <laughs> My bad. It was just, apologies to all the Canadians out there. And actually, I love Simple Plan. Like, I still listen to Simple Plan to this day. So do I. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the Scooby-Doo thing. So, yeah, people thought, I guess for all the, for all the listeners out there, I made it. My students were discussing, which is a great, great discussion topic, a great party. If you ever at a party that's dead people love to have this conversation what's the what tv show is the best theme song and so this kid was like what like scooby-doo and i grew up going to my grandparents house like from the like scooby-doo where are you which i think isn't that from like the 60s or something like it's like from like a longer time i might have messed that up and don't get people mad so that's the only one I ever watched was the theme song that was like scooby-dooby-doo where are you and so i guess i found out yeah, through that, when the student was like, oh, the best, no, that's not Scooby-Doo. And he's saying the simple plan, which is like pop punk. What's this Scooby-Doo? And I'm like, yeah, this is incredible. It's like pop punk. I had never heard that before. And all these people online were calling me liars. And like this dude did a deep dive of my Instagram and made like a whole video saying 
there's no way you haven't heard what's new Scooby-Doo before because the song came out in 2002. And here's you on March 16th, 2018, posting on Instagram about your wife's birthday and her being in her late 20s. So assuming that you guys are at the same age, that would make that would make mean you were 10 or 11 years old in 2002, prime age to listen to this song. Like this dude did a whole deep dive on how old I was. And I was like, nah, like my parents didn't have, we had dial-up dial internet growing up and we didn't have cable. Like we had like the four main channels. So I'm like, I watched Scooby-Doo at my grandparents like in the nineties. And then since then I never watched it. So a lot of people were very mad that I, uh, I had never heard the What's New Scooby-Doo theme song, even though it's been out since 2002, which, by the way, incredible song, Simple Plan killed it. And they actually commented on my video about it where I was I talking saw. about the song. So I was like, no way. What up? What's the lead singer? Pierre, is that his name? Pierre. Pierre is hilarious. Um, I asked him last year, I was like, hey, can you do a video for my mom for Christmas? And he's like, yeah. And I like told him the song that my mom liked and he sang it and he fucked up his own lyrics. Really? And then Chuck, yeah, Chuck was on the show. He's uh, the drummer for Simple Plan. Yep. And I, I told him that he, Pierre fucked up his own lyrics. My mom was like, he fucked up the lyrics. And he's like, it's pretty sad when like, you know, somebody's mom who was like coming to the show, taking their kid knows the song and the lead singer doesn't know. And That's I'm like, hilarious. I think he what just- it was jet lag, which is a more new, it was an, it's a newer one. Okay. And then my mom did a TikTok for Pierre and she was singing, I'm just a kid. And she had all these pills and she's like, when you get old, you need all this medication and all and I, oh, it's embarrassing, but he thought it was hey, funny. So that's what I saw they commented. I saw they commented on your thing and I was like, oh no, he thinks it's like 182. Yeah. Which I didn't, that was the other thing is the, in the video, I was just like, oh, this sounds like a blink 182 type band i wasn't even saying like this is blink one and actually i wasn't even the one who said it a a kid said it gives off blink 182 vibes and i and so i was just like yeah you're right it does give off like how do you know them and he's like because i love classic rock and i'm like that's (laughs) i just aged i'm gonna get my aarp card now that you called (laughs) blink 182 classic rock but yeah so i didn't even it's not like I listened to the song. It was just like, this is Blink-182. A student just happened to say Blink-182 vibes. And I'm like, yeah, sure, you're right. And then when I looked it up later, I'm like, oh, Simple Plan, of course. I mean, I still listen to I'm Just a Kid. Or there's a song called Perfect, like the one about his Oh, dad, yes. I had a, a deep, deep discussion with that, uh, with Chuck about that song. And he was just telling me how, like, when they, when he, when they put out the song, they didn't realize it was going to blow up the way it did and he's like to this day we have people who come up to us and we're like this song saved my life and then they have a song called this song saved my life so that's kind of funny that's incredible so how do you know how do you know the the guys from simple plan oh i'm canadian i grew up you know okay so just everybody who's canadian you just know it's one small you're just hanging out with drake and justin bieber and justin drake went to my acting school like the acting school that i started at drake went there before i aubrey uh yeah he was on degrassi yeah. And then crazy. they had his picture on the wall and they were like, you know, you can be like this. And then I had this awful teacher. And the first day she looks at me and she goes, I don't like your hair. And I was like, that's nice, but I'm not here to learn about if you don't like the color of my hair, you right. know? And she, she picked on me like all throughout. And I think she wanted me to quit. And this is the funniest story ever. She was such a bitch to me that I stopped going there. And then I was in LA and you live in LA and you know, this doesn't happen often. I'm walking down the street over there by uh, La Brea, like towards sunset, you know, where the yeah. Burger King is, the disgusting yeah. Burger King, <laughs> this yellow Lamborghini pulls over 
And they're like, hi, are you an actress that's got sunglasses on? And I'm like, great. I got some fucking creep wants to talk to me. And I'm like, nope. And I kept going. And he rolled down the window on the other side and he goes, excuse me. And I turned around about to be like, fuck you. And he had taken his glasses off and he goes, my name. And I said, yeah, I know your name. It says you're Quentin Tarantino. And he was like, yeah, can you get in the car? Cause I want to talk to you and I'm holding up traffic. So I got in the car and like, I talked to him and everything. So it was just like one of these weird things that happened. It, it is absurd, but it happened. What did he and want? That's, he wanted to know if I was an actor and then he wanted my phone number for a project that he's working on. And at the time I was, you know, heavier and I was like, I need to lose weight and I'm fat and all this. And he was like, wait a minute. And I was like, what? And he's like, I stopped you like this. Like, you don't need to change anything to for industry. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess it's a small world. That's how I know the guys from Simple Plan. But no, I reached out to Chuck and I was like, I really, when I was 16, maybe I went to a Simple Plan show and I remember he got up from the drum set and he went all the way up the top where you know it's people who can barely afford to be there right. and he was hitting all the hands that's and cool. I was like I never forgot that and I want to talk to you and he was like I'm coming on so that's like how you know I just reach out to people and like I've been very blessed to have people like Brad Dourif and Brian Cranston like re- be receptive of me and yeah. that's how I've gotten to to know people like that I think it's just a matter of the more you are yourself the more people just they either like you or they don't <laughs> that's yeah i mean you gotta embrace that attitude i mean i've i've only been doing stand-up like less than it's been like nine or ten months i guess so it really hasn't been long that i've been doing it at all and i i'm still working on it but it's like yeah you get so like oh my gosh is this person gonna like me or is this person gonna think i'm weird and it's like yeah like it doesn't matter like the worst thing matter. is someone's just like yeah i don't really mess with you and then you just go on because I'm, I'm about to start producing my own like my own stand-up show at this club in LA and uh which one like, is it uh West Side Comedy Theater it's like right on okay. the third street promenade in Santa Monica and uh actually the concept of the show it's it's called like for you page comedy and it's basically like you know the TikTok algorithm almost knows you better than you know yourself and your sense of humor. So it just like gives you like the comic, like the funny stuff you want to see. Yeah. And so basically the concept of the show is bringing the for you page to life. And so there's a bunch of established and up and coming comedians who have like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers on TikTok. So the, the concept of the show is basically let's get all those people on one lineup, like all the people who pop up on your for you page. Mm-hmm. But when I start reaching out to people to be on the show, I'm just like, Oh no, like, am I going to be bothering them with this? And then I quickly realized it's like, Hey, I'm giving them an opportunity to be on the show. And if they want to do it, they'll be like, yeah, sounds great. And if they don't, they'll be like, no, thanks. Or worst case scenario, they just don't respond to the email. And like, you know, you just move on, move on with your I, life. But. Yeah. I totally veered off topic with that Quentin Tarantino and forgot to answer the question. But after that happened, I was at the mall with my mom and that terrible acting teacher who had made me feel like oh, I was yeah. just so trash was there and I'm like oh no I'm going the other way and my mom goes up to her and she's like hi are you Catherine and she's like yes I am like she's like some big celebrity and my mom's like do you remember my daughter Melanie and she's like no I don't and my mom's like with the picture of Quentin Tarantino and I think she felt so stupid because I think she really thought that she her negativity would actually like deter me from wanting to do it and yeah but what you're doing sounds like really a lot of fun like 
like, first of all, you said you've only been doing it for nine months, 10 months. I think talent is, it's just in there. And it's just a matter of when you're going to acknowledge it. And you have so many different things that you can talk about. Like you, you coach sports. I don't even, I can't even imagine what that's like, like how funny. Yeah. Well, well, especially high school kids. Mm -hmm. I used to, I used to coach college. I coached at a small school in Boston and in a small school in the Chicago area. Are you from Boston? No, I'm from Minnesota, actually. So, you know, like Canada Junior. Um, I like to say we're Canada <laughs> without the free health care. Um, we don't actually have free health care. We have like a a cart. Like you could go to the doctor for free, but like I dislocated my kneecap and none of that was free. None of it. Dang it. That, uh, well, you know what? Now you just, uh, that's one less joke I can use since it's not, since it's not truthful, but. It's a half truth. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll go with it. Americans are dumb; they'll they won't know the difference. So just hopefully <laughs> enough Canadians will be in the crowd and call me out. But uh, yeah, so I was coaching in Boston and in Chicago, and then my wife actually took a job with Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so that's why we moved to LA, and I started coaching high school because my college roommate and teammate was like the head coach at high school out here. So it's like cool; like I could keep pursuing college, but or I could teach and get to coach with one of my best friends. But it's funny coaching in high school just because they're kids so like you're literally spend all week like coming up with a game plan like watching hours of film and then your best player is like my girlfriend just broke up with me I can't play today and you're like oh yeah I forgot you guys are 16 years old and this isn't or you know you just have crazy parents who are like my kid like why are you playing a my son's a senior why are you playing a freshman and as they're asking that the freshman's going up and like dunking on somebody and it's just like yeah maybe because the freshman can do that and your son can't tie their shoes so um it's it is funny it it, i mean it, it it provides a lot of a lot of comedy for sure like these kids who think like i'm gonna go to the nba and i'm like you're a five, seven white kid like you're not going to the nba so yeah but but That's it's also a cool opportunity to, along with the humor, it's like, I think the same way, uh, like the drama and arts, like I, the, the, the camaraderie that I would see like all the theater kids have when they're doing like a big school production. I think the same thing with sports, like just that, that locker room vibe and mentality and like it gets you, uh, it gets kids to open up or like face challenges in a new way. So like the mentorship opportunity in in coaching and that sort of thing as much as it provides funny content it's also like cool like mentoring opportunities for young guys who kind of need that outlet of the sport you know but how do you tell a kid just in in theory that they can't go to the nba when they told tom brady that he wasn't qualified to throw one play in the nfl (laughs) yeah so i i mean yeah i'm not necessarily here to I'm not going to just rain all over a kid's parade. If he's like, I'm making the NBA and that's, then I'll be like, okay, like, I'll just point out, like, if you want to make the NBA, like, what are you elite at? Like every NBA player is elite at many things, but at least one, like, are you an elite shooter? Are you an elite ball handler? And if you're not, like, if you don't have two things that you're elite in, then, Hey, spend all summer getting up shots and working on ball handling. So I think, um, I think most kids, most kids are probably not thinking I'm going to the NBA. I think what's tougher is 
they, uh, all, most of the kids that I coach want to play at the next level in college. And I think you don't realize how hard it is. Some kids might be like, okay, well, maybe I can't get a division one scholarship to like Duke or North Carolina, but I can get one to a smaller school. I'm like, just to get a full ride scholarship to a division two school is like absurd. Like you have to be so good to get someone to want to pay for your school. So it's more, yeah, I guess starting that needle of you don't want to tell kids they can't do something, but you also don't want to just blindly hype them up. So then they are set up for disappointment. Kind of like those, those people that go on an American Idol and are terrible. It's <laughs> terrible just because their friends didn't have the heart to tell them they couldn't sing. And then they get embarrassed on national television. So <laughs> uh, I still remember like America when it was first came out and this guy Keith came on and he like sang like a virgin and it was so bad and Simon's like this is the worst singing in the world like I've never heard anything like this and he's like you've got to be kidding me and, and they were like what do your friends tell you and he's like they'd say I'm good and I was just like no like right I feel like some of those had to be like plans I remember the the me I used to watch American Idol religiously and this woman came on who was like just very she was like a scientist and she I mean to be stereotypical she looked like a scientist she just looked kind of quieter and more within herself and not the most like not con not that scientists aren't competent but not like she didn't look like a person who's like I'm gonna be on stage she looked like a person who would be like in a lab doing and they're like, oh, what, what, like, what kind of scientists are you? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm studying like the West Nile virus and like, or something like that. And then she okay. sang her song and was so bad. And then Simon said, yeah, you sound like you have the West Nile virus. And she like <laughs> almost started crying. And I'm like, okay, Simon, pretty good joke. Probably not the coolest thing to say to somebody. But um, I mean, maybe he, he, he kind of has that career. He should go toe to toe with Jeff Ross as a, as a as a roast comic so i don't know i'm not really a fan of those types of shows that where you're like have to audition in front of people and then they tell you that you suck because realistically like as an actor if you go into an acting room they won't tell you if they think it's bad they just don't call that's the thing they just you will right. never know you will never know if you didn't get the job because your hair was the wrong color the wrong length your eyes were the wrong color it could you could have given the best performance of your life and they won't cast you because they wanted a brunette. It's, it's that. When, I mean, I'm all for like, yeah, let's not like, like, let's not tell people they sound like they have viruses, but don't you <laughs> want the feedback at least to know why, like the why? I, I mean, it would be appreciated, but they just don't give it to you. Like sometimes your agent might call you and say, you know, you did this and they didn't really like it, but I think you have to do something that's really, it's never happened to me, really, really awful for them to phone your agent and say, right. I don't want this person to ever right. come back because, you know, everyone's blown an audition. Everyone. Like Brian Cranston told me, stop focusing on the audition. The audition is your job. You do the audition and then you throw the paper out. That's it. If they call you, great. If they don't, you just move on to the next thing. And I don't know how well you know Brian's career, but he was like, you know, a dentist on Seifeld for five episodes that nobody knew his name. And then he was the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. And it was like not until Breaking Bad that anybody ever really gave a shit who he was. Right. So he knows that he gave a lot of good performances that or bad ones that he doesn't know which ones were good and which ones were bad. And they don't tell you. It's crazy. Right. It, yeah. His story, is, his story is cool, too. I heard him on Conan O'Brien's podcast talking about like, he wasn't this big star, but he was still able to, before he was a big star, he was still able to be like a full-time yeah. 
actor, which is like, um, or like, you know, Ben Schwartz is, he played like Jean Ralphio yes. on Parks and Rec and he's in the new I Apple do. after party. He's one of my favorites. And he, he always does Q and A's and he kind of talks about the same thing. Like if you're pursuing it because it's what you love to do and like what you feel like you have to do, then go for it. If you're pursuing it, cause you want to be like a famous star, then it's go probably, on a reality show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's probably not going to work out. Or if it does, like if you do become quote unquote famous, it's probably not going to be fulfilling because all you're all you're doing is just looking for like some sort of external validation instead of just, you know, going after it because it's what you love to do, which is kind of how I started to view comedy. I'm like, yeah, I'm not necessarily sure if someone offered me a Netflix special, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say no to that paycheck. But like at the same time, I'm I'm doing this because I want to be able to do it. And it feels like, oh, this, this makes sense. This is where I feel like most at home is when I'm pursuing this, you know, have, trying, trying to have that outlook instead of like, am I going to make it? Cause that just sets you up for disappointment. Or like you mentioned, Brian Cranston saying like, yeah, do the audition and then forget about it. And then if they never call, you already forgot about it. And if they do call, you're like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. This is amazing. Like I have a friend who's in acting and he's been in like, he's been on Brooklyn Nine-Nine or some shows, but he's just like, yeah, you, you you just have to forget the audition after after you're done with it because otherwise you'll just be sitting staring at your phone for months on end and driving yourself crazy but i'm sure you know all this more than i do because i'm not i haven't pursued the the acting route yet but again anybody out there want to cast me in a sonic commercial that's always the yeah. sonic commercial those sonic guys talk about a great talk the about slushy. a great job what with the slushies and the drinking and the- yeah but you know the two main guys that would just happen yeah. it was just them sitting in a car i'm like those are just two improvers like how fun was that like a couple times a year while you just get together and film a bunch of commercials with your buddy and then get paid i'm sure a, a very solid living off doing that <laughs> if you're yeah if you're recognizable in commercials like that girl who does the progressive commercials she makes a yeah. killing and she doesn't do anything else so Flo, yeah, but- she makes like i heard she makes like millions off of that Oh, I'm sure she does. But I think you are funny enough to do like a a TV show. And I'm super picky. Like I said, my favorite actor is Marlon Brando. And like I went into a deep dive with uh, with Brad Dourif, who um, you probably don't know who that is. He voices Chucky. Yeah. But he also has been in like tons of films that nobody knows about because they only know Chucky. And he right. was actually Academy Award nominated actor and stuff. And we, we had the same discussion and he's like, I always knew I was going to make it. And I was like, how? And he's like, I just, I always had this feeling that I was going to make it. But then he, uh, I, you probably haven't seen this either. I watch a lot of old movies. There's this movie with Robert De Niro. It's called the deer hunter. I have seen that movie. Yeah. Okay. He, Brad do like turned down. Hey, first, do you oh, like, do you think? I think, I, I think it's not really something that I would watch like countless times, but I think Robert delivers a solid performance yeah i feel like the performance they're fine i want to still watch it in high school i'm like this is three hours i'm like when is this going to end i might have just also been like a little immature like just like come on where's the deer hunting (laughs) (laughs) i in high school they made us read lord of the flies oh yeah and i fucking hated it so much first my idea was i'm gonna go to the library and i'm gonna get it on book on tape yeah which was even worse than me just trying to read it and I read the whole thing in one day and I went to school and I was like I'm done I hate this and then the teacher's like you're done but it's going to take them six weeks so now you have to sit here and you can't answer any questions and then he played the movie 
And I was like, (laughs) I was like, why? Just why? Like, why do they even make this movie? Because it's, you know, it's black and white and it's super long. It's not like an old Marlon Brando uh, black and white movie where there's actually like a storyline. But maybe, maybe if I was watching Marlon Brando when I was, you know, 16, I might've been like, what the fuck is this? But like now (laughs) I watch it and I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. Like it's so, so I feel it's so easy now they make films that are so like it's just the acting is terrible and they're like oh it's it's good let's like let's put this out like I love Adam Sandler but he's made a few movies that I've watched and went like what he's also, I respect that he's basically like all right let me get my best friends David Spade and Chris Rock and let's find a tropical yes. location let's get paid to just go hang out with our families like I'm like yeah dude get your bag like <laughs> You would be so funny opposite somebody. I don't know if you'll appreciate this. Somebody like Pete Davidson. I love, okay. My students told me I look like Pete Davidson, which I do not <laughs> think I look like him. I get a lot. I, I feel like I just have one of those faces. Cause I get told I look like people all the time or like, you look like somebody I know, but I'm a big Pete Davidson <laughs> fan. I've loved Pete ever since he's been on SNL. He's um, I mean, he obviously has his personal struggles sometimes, but he's like, I feel like he's a uh, he's hilarious. Like he's a killer, and he's better at acting than people give him credit for. I'm not saying he's like oh, a, sure. an incredible actor, but he's I think he's just got the charisma, and also half of Hollywood A list women in his <laughs> in his ex. Category. I actually just watched him in an interview, and they were like, "How does somebody who looks like you get Ariana Grande? Like, how did you know how to do that? She's gorgeous." It was Howard Stern. And Pete was like all like red and he's like, I don't, I don't know how I did that. Like, I have no idea how I did it. Which is probably how he did it. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like, I think people don't, sometimes people don't realize like what it is about them that makes them special, which is, excuse me, which is what I think is cool about you saying that you want to do this and continue to be a mentor, which is kind of like, like I would, I'm not going to lie and say that I don't want to achieve um, some level of fame. Right. But at the same time, I want to do it because I know that there's a kid somewhere, somewhere, I don't know where they are, who will see me. And the same way that when I saw Christina and I was like, I could be that. And then right. they go after it. And that's like, you're, you're like, Brian was somebody that I looked up to and I thought I would never, ever get, you know, in his face. Cause right. why would you? Yeah. And I said to my mom, I'm going to the film festival and I'm going to meet Brian Cranston. And my mom was like, okay. And so she, she came with me. She stayed all day. It didn't happen. Oh. He went the other way. The director came over. She's like, Hey, I think you're pretty. Give me your number. So I gave it to her and she called me. I read Brian's book. And then I wrote this little thing on Instagram. I guess I manifested it because Brian put in his book. I'm so sick of people who just want my picture and my autograph. I wish some kid would just come up to me and shake my hand and say, I think your work is great. And I wrote, I wish I could do that. And six months later, she called me and she said, can you come to New York on Friday? And I was like, okay. And she, she put Brian like this close to me and he's been like consistent in my life ever since then. That's incredible. And and, yeah, but it's like, imagine you're watching being a 13 year old kid who watches Malcolm in the middle and you're like, your dad isn't present. And you're like, wish I had a dad like that. And you finally get to have that person in your face and like, say it. That's like a mentor that he didn't even know he was being a mentor. So I think it's cool that you want to marry this meant like what you've learned as a teacher and what you, what your talents are as a comedian. And I don't know, you, maybe your fashion since your students seem to have a lot to say about that. 
which I don't know why, because to me, it just looks normal. Yeah. Well, one, thank you. That's all very kind to say. Uh, With the fashion, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like, I, as a kid, like, in high school, skinny jeans for dudes were just becoming a thing, and I'd wear skinny jeans, and, like, adults would kind of look at me like, why do you wear that? And I'd look at them like, well, what are you wearing? So I think it's just where, like, kids are just going to look at adults and be like, it's it's automatically not cool just because I'm the one wearing it, you know? Or, I mean, I feel like it's because, like, some people online, when I share these stories, they're like, your students are so disrespectful to you. You need to discipline them. I'm like, if you've never been in a classroom, what you don't understand, if, if a student doesn't like you, they just don't talk in your class. Like, if they if they don't like you as a teacher, they just, they don't talk to you. Like, they do everything they can to just, like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and wait for the class to end. But, like, if, if students are making fun of you, sure, sometimes they can, they could take it too far, or sometimes students are angry and get disrespectful, but overall, like, that's their love language, like, that's how they're playful, it's like, hey, this is how I treat my friends, right, like, you remember sitting at, like, the cafeteria with your friends, it's like, you kind of joke around, make fun with each other, like, have a good time, so, but yeah, they, they, I, I think there's nothing wrong with my fashion either, I like to think I'm, I'm, I'm hip with the trends, but they do love to make fun of the clothes that I wear or just compare me to the mom like, from Coraline, the mom from Coraline. Yeah. Which that was actually, I, I, I'd never seen actually Coraline, but I looked it up and I'm like, dang, this turtleneck I'm wearing <laughs> is exact and the pants, they were the exact same color and style that she was wearing. So, Hey, I, the mom from Coraline, she's got drip. So whoever animated that character, I think she's got, got great style, but I mean, what's the worst thing they've said about your fashion? The worst thing. <laughs> There's always a worst thing. Yeah. Um. I don't know. When they said I dressed like at one time, when they said I dressed like a dad who screams at their kids after soccer <laughs> practice, I was like, and I looked down and I was wearing like chinos and a pullover. And I'm like, it was the worst thing because I was like, damn, you're kind of right. Like, I got no argument for you. I was like, that kind of is how I'm dressed. So, But that's so funny because how, how are you dressed like a dad, but also dressed like somebody who sells Adderall to college kids? Oh, yeah, that was their other comment. I mean, I guess it was just the outfit of the day. Uh, and that's the other thing that they'll make fun of me is because sometimes like I like shoes. So I have a lot of like I like shoes, too. I have like 400 pairs, literally. I don't quite have 400, but I <laughs> I definitely have like a few pairs of Jordans and just different Nike shoes or Yeezys or whatever. So that's what's funny is even when I wear shoes that like the kids are cool, are super cool. Some of them will compliment me, but some of them will also just be like, they'll make fun of me for like, oh, what you think you're young? Like if, even if you do something that's cool, then they just make fun of you for you thinking that you're cool for doing it. And I'm like, no, nah, this just happens to be the, uh, this just happens to be the thing thing that I like to wear so it's, I don't know. it's so also funny, funny. Being southern California because I feel like people dress much more casually here just because it's you know closer especially when you're closer to the beach and or it's warm weather so people just wear like like I don't know I feel like a lot I grew up in Minnesota as I said and like I feel like a lot of the teachers would wear button-up shirts and ties like to school and it was like very like business casual and that's what I wore to my first day of teaching out here and like half the half the teachers when I was teaching in Orange County like half the teachers were like coming to school, like in their wetsuits from surfing early morning and like changing it, changing into like a short sleeve button up a pair of jeans and flip flops. And I'm like, what is this place right now? So it's kind of different, different culture, I suppose. 
I mean, for me, honestly, I'm the same person that I was in high school. Like now I accept now I dress younger than I did when I was in high school. And, but like Toronto and LA are not the same thing. So when I'm here, I have all these like sparkly, nice clothes that I want to wear. But if I wear them, everybody looks at me like there's something wrong with me. So I save it for LA and it works over there, obviously, because Quentin Tarantino didn't have a problem with it. (laughs) So I'm okay with that. But no, I I don't find you dress old, though. That's the thing. Like if my teachers, like I said, I had a teacher who would wear like jeans and like a a jersey. He'll be like wearing like a, a basketball jersey with his blazer on top. And I think he was just wearing the blazer because he wanted to look more professional, but he still felt like he was like 20. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things where the kids are going to, again, they'll make fun of you for, for anything. So if you, if you dress, you know, there, and know. there are some kids who will compliment. They'll, they'll be like, they'll, they'll say I peep the drip and whatever else those Gen Z kids are saying. So you should, you should really tell them that there are still some people who don't have sunroofs or backup cameras in their car. So how do they back up? Oh yeah, that was, <laughs> that was one kid in specific, like, Oh my, look, the class kind of ro- roasted him for that. So yeah, <laughs> for the listeners, I had a kid who were like, who was like, how did, how did people back up before backup cameras? And just stuck their head out the sunroof yeah it's like that's what, yeah it was that kid i'm like what are you even talking about but it's funny the art like once again that just because of social media like they're aware of so many more like like social political conversations so like i had kids during work time discussing like billionaires and if it's like morally okay to like have a billion dollars or if that like that's concentrating too much money into one person. And this one kid's argument for why Jeff Bezos should have his money, he was like, he created something that we could not live without. And, and I thought he was saying that like, like hyperbolic, like, oh, you can't live without Amazon. But he's like, no, seriously, imagine if Amazon just stopped existing. Like, how would the world function? And I'm like, you drive to the store. Like, what are you talking? That's not like, an, that's not a hard concept to think about. Like, you just drive to the store. So it's very funny. Them having these big being aware of these big discussions that are in the zeitgeist but then just having high school logic brain where it's like you couldn't live without (laughs) amazon my two-day delivery what would i even do i mean i went to school with so many kids who were like pardon me potheads and i just never smoked i still don't like and but i don't think any of them ever thought about ripping up their worksheet like your student and rolling it like what what yeah i caught a student he ripped up his worksheet and was using it <laughs> rolling papers as a blunt which i've how I've does never that work either, which people don't believe because they hear my monotone voice and they're like okay sure you haven't bud but yeah i mean but that's what a bunch of people are commenting they're like well you should have told that kid even if he did try to make a blunt out of a worksheet paper it's too thick of paper and would just burn it like i'm like why yeah i didn't know that but that <laughs> wouldn't yeah, have known either I, but just the audacity to in the middle of class roll up a blunt i mean and that's the part of being a sub is sometimes when kids see that there's a sub in the room they just automatically are like none of this matters you know i can't even if they yell at me like it's not going to affect my grade so that kid took it to the extreme and yeah the funniest part is before i even he saw that i caught him and before i even said anything he pointed at me and was like you're doing too much and i'm like <laughs> how am I the one that's doing too much in this situation? But that's like their favorite, 
I feel like high school kid, middle school, they're always, you're doing too much. Hey, hey guys, quit talking. Hey, uh, quit being on your phone. I need to take that away. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. That's always their response. And I'm like, no, I'm not the one doing anything. You're the one, you're the one doing too much. So it just, it, you just reminded me, I totally forgot about this. When I was in eighth grade, I was in this class where it was like all the bad kids were in my class, except me. I was like, I, know, I never really did anything bad. And we were so bad like the teacher would put a movie on and the, te- I, don't, I don't even know how they manage this, you know, turn the light off and kids would crawl out of the class and like start making out it was just like really stupid things. And our teacher had a meltdown and she just left. So we, we had a substitute teacher for like one day yeah. and then somebody started a fire in the class Dang. and she quit. She was like, I am never teaching. She never taught again because of that class. So like, I guess one kid rolling a blunt with his paper is not as bad as like 30 of them all doing stoop something. Oh, that's bad. I've had my moments though. I had a, I had a kid at a school who punched through the window. Like literally I just heard glass shattering and I was like, why'd you do that? And he just shrugged and was like, cause I can. And I was like, did he get suspended? I'm like, I don't think I want to. But anyway, I tell these stories and then a bunch of people get mad, like, you know, all these like older adults that are like, see, this generation's disrespectful and terrible. I'm like, no, this is like one kid doing this out of a class of normal students. Or I'm like, yeah, think about everybody. Think about when you were in high school, there were always those kids who caused trouble or did goofy things just because you're a hormonal teenager who does dumb things, you know, so overall, this next generation, sure, they have it, its flaws just like any other, but they're they're fine. They're, well, know. I think it's no different really than us. Like, for example, I had friends, three friends, these three guys, they were my best friends. I didn't go with them this day, thank God. They went to another school, broke a window after hours, stuck a hose in there, turned the hose on. Like, what are you doing? Why, what would possess right. you to do that? But it's literally just it's just you're young and stupid the stupidest thing i did and i mean you were talking about somebody finding their parents myspace on on your account nobody's ever going to find my myspace because i used a fake name and invented a completely fake life that wasn't real at all but i used my picture so if they reverse image maybe they could find it because i don't look that different (laughs) hopefully they don't (laughs) but that's crazy that they're like looking up their parents you how you you're like go delete your myspace do you think i even remember the email i used Right. That's so many people are like, and I didn't even know some of them are actually still out there archived, but they're all still there. If I type in mine, I, it comes right up and I'm just like, Oh no. Oh yeah. That's hilarious. I never had a, I never had a MySpace because again, we had dial up internet. So it would take 20 (laughs) minutes just to log on, but dial up internet too. And every time my mom would get pissed off at me, she'd just rip it out of the wall. No more internet. That's what I should actually have a conversation with my students about this because they would blow their mind if my mom would have to tell me to get off the internet so she could use the phone. <laughs> we didn't have like two lines. And so like, it was like, I have to call your grandfather, get off, like quit AIM, like instant messaging. Oh my God, like, MSN. <laughs> yeah, like, and all the away messages or even the, I actually remember when I was, when I was coaching college basketball to make myself full-time, I was also an admissions counselor for the school. And there were, I mean, at the time I was 26, 25. So I wasn't even, there was like a student worker who was like 21. 
and she had never heard dial-up internet. She's like, what are you talking about? And I played the sound of dial-up internet for her and her face was just like, oh, so that's like the sound that they chose. I'm like, no, that's just like, (laughs) that's like the sound that. It's a ringtone. Yeah, it just is what it is. And it was just completely mind blowing that it took up. Yeah, you couldn't be on the internet and the phone at the same time. And if I told a kid that, I'm sure maybe they're too young for this. Because I remember you couldn't be on on smartphones. You you used to not be able to be on a phone call and look up things on the internet. at the No, same you time. couldn't. And like, that's maybe what they were thinking. I'm like, no, like you literally couldn't be on a landline and on your desktop computer at the same time, which would just, I mean blow their minds i'm sure so there's just so many things i feel like you have like a like a wealth of hilarious things that have happened to you just by becoming a teacher and at the same time i wonder like did i do these things was did this happen to my teachers was i this way like was i this yeah unwillfully ignorant you know yeah for sure like i remember i talked about um like it's it's funny when I split kids into group work, pairing them up with their crushes, which actually a lot of people got mad on that. I'm like, look, Love I'm not... that. people were like, you're forcing children onto each other. I'm like, that's not, no, like I know like if two kids are friends, I'm not going to put two kids who are going to be uncomfortable with one another. But anyway, when I mentioned that there are some st- students that commented on the video, like, wait, you teachers know about this stuff. I'm like, yeah, we're in the room and you guys don't whisper. Like, it's so funny because once group work starts, they just forget that there's an adult sitting in there the and they have these personal conversations seven feet from your desk. I just remembered something. So you were telling that story about the kid who was watching like hentai on the computer. Yes. Do you have the ability to shut it down? Yeah, that's the other thing. People are like, there's no way this happened because you could shut it down. Uh, yeah, so the, the school fire. No, it happened. I believe uh, you. What do you say? I believe it happened because I know a similar story. Oh, yeah. Well, it <laughs> the school firewall does shut some of that stuff down, or there's this thing called like Go Guardian where you can see kids' screen. Like you have, right. like you see what they're doing. But what kids do is they just use their cell phone as a hotspot and then they connect their computer to the hotspot and then they can go on. And most of them use it for during free time, like. Uh, oh, like you, not even bad YouTube videos, but like YouTube is blocked at school or like Netflix is blocked. So they'll just use it because they're like, well, I'm done with my work and, you know, I'm just gonna whatever, hang out. But yeah, that was, um, <laughs> I, and this is how much of that I got made fun. I didn't even know what hentai was like, so I didn't. Well, I, I mean, like, I know what it is because I Googled it. So whatever. When right. I was in high school, they had a similar program. It's called Watchdog. And the teacher could watch like every single screen. And I just remember I was in classes doing my thing. And my friend was like, come here, I have to show you something. So I walk over and he's got like a website and there's a toilet full of shit. And it's called RateMyPoo.com. Classic. (laughs) And I started laughing because I, why would you look at that? Right. That's classic high school behavior. (laughs) The teacher goes, Josh, what are you looking at? Nothing. And he knows he's looking at them because I'm laughing. Right. And then all of a sudden you see Josh's computer just shut down. And he's like, sir, my essay was on there. And he's like, well, I don't care. And I was like, oh, my God. That's and then weird. the next day he comes to school and he tells the teacher, I put my brother on that website. And I was like, like why do you know this website? But porn, I mean, everybody knows it, unfortunately. Right. Website for everything and 
Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Well, what's funny too with those stories is yeah, we had teachers when I was in high school who could like look at our screens, but we were going to a computer lab. Like there was literally like right. the, the, the computer room at school and it was like teach yourself to type. So that also blows kids' minds when it's like, oh yeah, we had a computer lab and they're like, what's a computer lab? Like we just have, we just all have laptops in the classroom. So it's kind of funny that that's like a foreign concept to them as well. See, I, I wish I could sit in, in on one of your classes because I feel like you'd be just such a funny teacher. I appreciate that. I think- where I get myself into, I, with, usually with middle schoolers, high schoolers, I'll just be very, like, if a kid's doing something bad or wrong, like, I'll be like, hey, don't do that. And if they keep doing it, then I'll just kind of use sarcasm to, like, kind of, like, de-escalate, just kind of, like, joke around. And, and most high schoolers will, like, understand that sarcasm. But I've done that a couple of times with middle schoolers, and I forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're only, I'm so used to teaching high school that, like, you get a little sarcastic that, you're like, oh yeah, not the, not the need to be more nurturing with these kind of things. But yeah, no, there's so many funny stories that I probably don't even can't tell. And not because I can't tell them, but it's just like such, you had to be their stories. Right. Just always so many ridiculous things going on. Like the on. career aptitude testing and all that stuff. That's really fun. Yeah. Just even the things kids want to be like talking about, like, I'm going to be an influencer. I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm going to be a TikToker. Like, I'm going to be Kendrick Lamar. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. One kid literally said, I want to be LeBron James. I'm like, well, that's not really, I guess, yeah, you can legally change your name, but uh, that's about. Ah, if I legally change my name to Tom Brady, will that make me a seven-time Super Bowl champion? I don't think it will. And I also, I'm, I appreciate your love for Tom Brady, but as a, my dad's from Pittsburgh. So as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, he. Oh, come on. He probably would have been, Pittsburgh. we probably would have won one or two more Super Bowls if it wasn't for Tom Brady, which is a big if, but we just. The two Super Bowls we won during my lifetime, it was because somebody else beat the Patriots before us. <laughs> we, could never, we could never beat them. So, You know what? For as much shit as Tom Brady gets, he is himself um, very much a mentor because I reached out to Tom Brady because I loved him so much. And I didn't think he was ever going to give a shit. And he reached back. And I have, like, so- he sent me a signed uh, Patriots, like, certified authentic how are, reach, how are you even getting the in what mo- way are you reaching out to these people how do you like you just find email addresses or well i mean imdb pro you can get anybody's email address but a friend of mine not their personal but a friend of mine uh chris gronkowski so gronk rob gronkowski's brother yeah. um obviously he knows tom and he told tom about me because i had a friend who committed suicide and tom so he told tom about it and tom was very receptive to the fact that I was a, you know, a big fan and that maybe he could do something that would help. And then he just kept in touch. Like you'd be amazed. How, like you were saying, you feel like you don't have any business reaching out to certain people. A couple of years ago, I was just like, I'm going to reach out to John Cryer who plays Alan on two and a half men because I liked his comedy. And I was like, teach me your comedy. And he was like, I can't teach you how to do it, but I can, I can help you navigate. And he's, and he sticks around. So it's like, I mean, if you ever really, really, if there's somebody that you really want to reach, like a comedian or something, just ask me. I'll, I'll do it. I don't care. Well, you're way too, you're way too kind for that. I'll, uh, I'll start thinking all the, all the ca- Canadian comics that I like. I'll, I'll start going. You don't have to be Canadian. I mean, Tom Bergeron. <laughs> Love yeah. Tom Bergeron. I mean, you probably don't even know who that is. I do. That's my, I, I grew up on uh, when he was the host of America's Funniest Home Videos. That was my. 
I when he was on this podcast, he's like, "Mom, can you get away? My mom is here, and she's trying to come over here with a baby Yoda." Hi, mom. No, um, Tom Bergeron's like, do you know how I got my first gig? And I'm like, what'd you do? And he goes, I found the phone numbers for Larry, Curly, and Mo, and I kept calling until they gave me the other people's numbers. The reach out Yoda wants you. That's Who crazy. does that? That is crazy. I, th- yeah, I've heard stories like that where people are just like, yeah, I'm not afraid to. I guess, and that's what you need to like. If you're just not afraid to put yourself out there, the worst thing is they say, "Hey, f off." So like, I you mean, can't be afraid, and I think that's even a lesson for me. I've done it so many times, and I'm still terrified half the time when I do it. But I've learned that if you are, if you're just authentic and you're just real with them, most of the time they're like, "I like you." Like yeah. Mandy Patinkin uh, sent me a video singing me "Happy Birthday." Like 13 year old me never thought that I could ever reach the people that I looked up to and the ability to say to them, you know, you did this for me and you changed my life and to have them be like, I love you back. That's an amazing feeling. And you get it pretty instantly as a teacher. I'm sure like when you touch a kid's life, you know, right away. Yeah. I mean, hope so. Hope I'm making a a positive impact. You are. uh... I mean, you impacted me. I was laughing at all your videos. I was playing it over and over again. I couldn't stop laughing. And I started sending it to my friends And my friend was laughing at the one where you set up the two kids because I have this friend and he's 30 years old and he can't find a woman. But the reason he can't find a woman is because he's too busy following Instagram models. (laughs) And it's like you're, you're missing every single like very beautiful, normal girl who's like, hey, I like you because you're too busy looking at half naked Instagram models. It's like (laughs) he's oblivious. And I'm like, you're 30. The oblivion, like, I, yeah, I feel like dudes are way more oblivious than women for sure. I don't think and, you are because I've seen your wife and she's super beautiful. My wife is very beautiful. I, some comic the other day almost was like upset. He's like, <laughs> wait, your wife's successful? And I'm like, yeah, she's a pretty successful real estate agent. And she's like, but I've seen her. She's like really hot. I'm like, yeah, she's like, she's hot and su- successful. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, what do you bring to the relationship? And like starts roasting me. He's like, what is going on here? But no, it is so, I mean, like you're talking about your friend Oblivious. That's, I mean, I made, yeah, I made a video where this girl basically asked this guy over for homework, like three different times. And in his mm-hmm. head, he was just like, I don't want to do homework. And it's like, buddy, she's trying to, she's trying to like ask you out. She should have just asked him for Netflix and chill. Right. Yeah. She, yeah, she maybe could have just asked, but then there are so many people online saying like, you're making fun of this kid. What if he, what if he's, what if he's on the spectrum? What if this, what if that he, he might be autistic. They can't read social cues. And I'm like, guys, as the teacher, do you think I would not have, do you think I wouldn't have access to information? <laughs> like we have special education experts. We have, I get IEPs of if there's any student who has like, I would be very aware if a student was neurodivergent or like had some sort of thing. I'm like, this is just like a commentary on the typical high school boy and probably past high school, just very oblivious. Like I, I look back in high school and I'm just like, I was the most oblivious kid. And you said that too. You talked about, you know, you were in the car with the girl and the the gum and you're like, can you just drive me home now? Like you you missed it. Definitely trying to kiss me. And I was just sitting there just like, yep, just another day hanging out with a friend. So see, I was the same. I like all my friends were boys. But to me, they were just my friends. And then like later, I don't talk to them anymore because they're all doing stuff that is not, you know, for me. But then later they were like, oh, I had a crush on you. And I was like, when? 
And they like, they were my friends. So they'd sleep over at my house, like the same way as a girl. And they, and I, they'd sleep in my bed with me and nothing happened. We were just sleeping, but I never, I didn't know. And I was like, I found out later and I was like, what? I feel like that'd be, I don't know how it'd be pulled off, but if there's some sort of podcast or show where you somehow like figure out, like figure out in high school people who are into each other and never knew and get like almost like that that Jimmy Fallon Nicole Kidman interview did you have you seen that no I don't think I have there was one it went like very viral where basically like Jimmy Fallon and Nicole Kidman before they were both super famous but in the I think maybe Jimmy was on SNL she came over to hang out oh and like one one of his friends like hey Nicole Kidman wants to hang out with you and so he's like cool like a friend and was like (laughs) He played more like he was literally like playing Mario, like super, like Super Mario Brothers or something like that. And then so on the show, she was basically like, "Yeah, I was coming over because I was interested in you." And Jimmy, <laughs> Nicole Kidman was interested in me. I had no idea. And every like it went very. It's a check out the video. It's actually very very funny. And I very, will. But I feel like if you could get a whole like, yeah. I don't know how you do it with it's more interesting maybe because they're celebrities but if there's some sort of like interview or podcast or show where you're just like revealing to people in high school who had crushes on each other it would just blow people's mind because you're all just everyone's in high school is usually so self-conscious or focused on themselves you you miss out on who's who's around you or whatever so that is true Nicole Kidman funny enough is the first person that I ever was you know in a room with and I was like, oh, that's what it means to be a movie star. Because there was so many freaking lights flashing. I thought I was going to have a seizure. Yeah, I bet. And, but she's so nice. She's so, so nice. She's like, do you want to take a picture? And I'm like, I'm wearing a fucking pink sweater with unicorns all over it. No, I don't. But we we did. I was only there because uh, it was a film that she did with Brian. And I was there to, with oh, Brian no. had invited. And she, yeah. and she was sitting beside me and Brian was outside and she was like, where is he? And I was like, he's signing autographs for everyone because Kevin Hart didn't show up. Oh, wow. That's another person you'd be funny with. Kevin Hart. I, I, I thank <laughs> you. I think if you can't be funny with Kevin Hart, I don't know. I don't know if you can be funny because <laughs> that dude is just so like, he just brings, brings the humor to every situation so i think you bring the humor to a lot of situations and i think it's so stupid if anybody's listening to this who's an old person that anyone is offended by the stories that you tell about your students because this it's reality and it's not like you're singling anyone out you're just you're talking about it as an overall like gen z like you're not saying oh bob who's 17 and goes to this school like it's very non-specific right but i I think I think I've taken a lot of your time because I'm really enjoying the conversation. Why don't you let everyone know like where they can see your stand up first of all, because that's important. And like, obviously your socials are. Important. Yeah. Uh, Samuel sleeves is my TikTok and Instagram. S A M U E L S L E V S stand up. Um, I mean, mostly in the LA area. I mean, you can like the link in bio on my social medias. I'm, I'm still getting together the social media account and the posters and everything, but I have a very producing my first show at the West side comedy theater in Santa Monica. So that'll be on March 16th at 9 PM. So that's a, that's what I'm trying to get people to come out to for, for my first show. Um, I have a lot of friends in LA, so I could maybe, maybe a Sam Brian. I don't know. I, I appreciate that. Um, and Would I don't you know be you mad if he showed up? If, oh, sorry. What do you say? I said, if I send Brian, would you be mad if he showed up? I w- if Brian Cranston wants to show up to a stand-up comedy show, I 
I'm more than happy to have him in attendance. I'll buy him a drink. <laughs> <laughs> he has his own alcohol, so he'll probably try to buy just like give you some of that because he's given it to all my friends. What kind of alcohol <laughs> is it? Like it's uh, it's mezcal. Oh, nice. It's okay. I don't drink. I'm not a drinker. I I'm still in high school in my brain. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. Because I don't want to age myself like physically or mentally too much because of the industry. Because if I start acting like I'm 35 or 40, which I'm not, but if I start acting like that, then I'm not going to, they're not going to see me as young anymore. And Mandy Patinkin told me, it's not how old you are. It's how old they think you are. So just keep acting like you're young and they're going to be like, oh, she's like young and stupid. So. <laughs> hey, that's the trick. I'm just going to forever young, as they say, just forever be young. And but young. you look super young and I think I would have never known you were a teacher, but it's because you revealed it. So, well, yeah, that's funny because I've had a few comments every once in a while that they're like, wait, when you're talking about kids in your class, I just assumed you were also one of the kids <laughs> and you're just talking about your classmates. So that's definitely happened before. Well, I won't be there to see it, but I'm assuming you're going to post clips of your um, stand up show. Yes, most likely we'll be posting clips of it. And, um, I mean, yeah, there'll be plenty of more, plenty of more content in terms of telling classroom stories. So, <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I want to share, I want to share your, um, your stand up like beyond this, because I think you're very talented. And I think I have this mentality of like community, not competition. And it's, it's one just gigantic. I just see industry people as family and I'm just waiting for Andrew Garfield to break up with that hot model that he's dating and marry me so I could become a U.S. citizen, you know, all that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll, so, if, if I do, if I can repay you in any way, it'll all become friends with Andrew Garfield, but yeah, I, for sure. I really appreciate you having me on. I feel like they're, that's the people like the comedians I'm most drawn to is like, there's so many in LA who are just like doggy dog. Like I got to step on people to get where I'm going. And like the ones, no. some of the funniest ones usually too, are the ones who are like, Hey, like if you eat, I eat, like, let's all do this together. Let's make this an enjoyable, like when we're at shows together, let's hang out. So I really very kind of you to reach out and have me on the pod and, um, I just yeah. totally thought of someone that I'm totally going to mention you to. His name is Brad Garrett. You might know him. The name sounds familiar. He played the brother on uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. And he has a very oh, successful yeah. comedy club in Las Vegas. And his thing is putting people on stage who are like not very known. So I'm going to suggest you to him because I know Brad. So. That is way, yeah, I definitely know who that is, but that is very kind. I really appreciate that. I mean, I appreciate you being here and sharing your, um, how much it, it matters to you to mentor people, but as well as, you know, the funny stuff, because I like funny stuff. And I think you're <laughs> like, I think, I just think you're talented. And I think the more people recognize each other's talents, the more we grow as a community, as, as, um, as entertainers. And I don't want you to be a teacher until you're 50. So <laughs> I, want I, you. I don't want that. As much as I love the kids, I won't that either, but I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, let me know next time you're in LA. Oh, I, well, yeah, for sure. I will definitely let you know when I'm in LA. I'd love to, you know, meet you. And of course your wife, because I'm one of those people who's, just, I just like to be friends with everybody. I, I love people. So I appreciate that. She's the, she's the same way. So that'd be a great. You guys want to hang out? I'll, I'll see if Brian wants to come and we'll go have drinks. Perfect. I love that. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you for having me on. Sorry about the microphone headphone thing. So, but no problem. It. Thank you for staying on it for like an hour and a half. People are going to really, they, they sit through it. So it's okay. I mean, they're still talking about an episode where a guy stuck his dick in the YMCA pool and, and it was episode seven and I'm on like episode 41. You're laughing, but this is seriously, my mom had this friend. I'm going to cap after this. She met a guy, a friend, and she's trying to help him. The second day that I met him, I'm 12. I put my penis in the YMCA pool and I got stuck to the side. And so I, I, nobody believed me like that never happened. He came <laughs> to my house. So I'm like, I'm turning the computer on. And I'm like, can you tell that story? And he's like, yeah, I was so stuck there. I, I almost broke my elbows and my knees and people thought he was a comedian. And I'm like, no, this is real. And then he's like, at the end, he's and everybody's obsessed with this line. I'm like, did you go to the emergency room? And he goes, what? What do you mean? Would you go to the emergency room if you got yourself stuck to the side of the, of the suction thing on the side of the YMCA pool? How would you explain that to the doctor? And I was like, exactly like that, because he was so specific. That's like, hilarious. But it's not comedy. It's real. Right. So, I know that's what's funny. I feel like some of the funniest stories I have are the the truest ones. And they're like, oh, you just wrote that. I'm like, nope, this is. No, exactly. I love that you're saying this. Because now other people are going to be like, oh, other people have stories that they didn't make up also. Right. Yeah. The, the truth is sometimes the funniest, the funniest thing. So, <laughs> well, the truth is even funnier when the person yells everything. <laughs> he's, very, he's very hyper and animated and he's like 70 now. So when he talks, it's like, ah, and everybody's like, oh, okay. So he is real. Yeah, no, I made him up. <laughs> sounds, sounds like quite the character. Oh, you should listen to that podcast. You'll die. I, I sometimes I'll send it to you. Sometimes I listen to it and I still laugh at it because also I lived some of the things he's talking about. So it's unfortunate for me, <laughs> but I will let you get on with your day. Um, and I thank you. I really appreciate it. That was Sam Salem, substitute teacher extraordinaire. Um, now for long, I think he's really going to break out into comedy. He's amazing. And conversations like this one where I lose track of what I'm talking about and then come back to it and things like that. These are my favorite because I know we're just, you know, we're just vibing and I love that. And I'm not really concerned about things here being so polished because there are plenty of, you know, interview style podcasts. This isn't one of them. This is a conversation style podcast. This is like real life. Like I'm an actress who likes talking to people. So I had so much fun with Sam. Now I'm going to put a link tree up with a link to buy tickets to that show that he mentioned um, about the For You page. So if you're in the LA area, I highly recommend attending. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sam's a lot of fun. Um, Like, I don't need to tell you that if you've sat through all this and you know, he's just, he's just a bundle of energy and like a ton of fun with, yeah, I just love this person. Um, and he sort of like made a little segue into, you know, booking him on cameo. And then I kind of cut him off, which is kind of my style. Sorry, Sam, but I am going to link you to his cameo. They're super inexpensive and they will make just about anyone, you know, and love laugh on like a birthday or even just like, you know, you're having a really bad day. Sam is that guy that you need to like, you know, lift your spirits. So book him on cameo, please. And follow him on his socials, which um, he he gave them to you. But I'm also going to give them to you um, on Instagram and uh, TikTok. Samuel Sleeves, S-A-M-U-E-L-S-L-E-E-V-E-S. So yeah, very easy to follow. You can also follow me on uh, on, t- uh, <laughs> on Twitter. 
Um, it's a blonde who talks and you let me know who you like to hear from next or what you'd like to hear me talk about next. And I will do my very best to get that to you. Um, as always, I want to thank my, my sponsors, uh, the TB12 method, who has no idea that they're sponsoring me and, <laughs> and my official sponsor, um, Michael Solberg family wines available anywhere in the U S and on their website, Michael family, Michael family, Jesus, Michael Solberg family wines.com. Or you can check them out on Instagram under Michael Solberg family wines. Um, yeah, this is an unsponsored mention, but please check out the ignorant gentlemen's club, uh, coffee it's on Etsy, Etsy.com. Well, don't check out just their coffee, check out everything, but the coffee, especially <laughs> ignorant underscore gentlemen on Etsy, uh, show them some love. That's Baron Corbin's company. Uh, my dear friend, Tom, love him dearly. Um, and my favorite Tom, now that Tom Brady has retired, Thank you for tuning in to this episode of this blog and talk about anything. I've been doing this for a year. If I hadn't taken time off, guys, we'd be on episode 52, but we're not. Um, I'm pretty sure that next week I'm bringing on a, a guest who is my friend, um, Pay, who is awesome. And I think we're going to talk about movies. So make sure you come and hang out with us. Thanks for tuning in again. And I'll leave you with a little bit of music. That's not from MKTO this week because I didn't plug Tony Aller. Oops. Oops.